There is still so much going on. Rumors of teams coming to the Big Ten. Rumors of other conferences combining together to try and compete with the Big Ten. As the ripple effects of the Big Ten and Pac-12 continue to move throughout the college sports world, I think it's about time we got the West Coast's perspective. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Big Ten, Spencer McLaughlin from Locked On Pac-12 joining us here for an episode to discuss, I mean, everything that's happened over the last week now, I guess, Spencer, because it's been huge, the shifts and everything we don't need to repeat everything from the big, big stuff. But I guess we'll start off just at the very beginning, or now the very latest, I should say. What what has been going on lately? What are you feeling about what's next for the Pac-12? Because from a Big Ten standpoint, at least we have some stability here. You know, you know, We know at least what we're going to look like at a minimum. I have no idea what it must be like for you going through and trying to sift through all the possibilities of what this conference is going to do next. Yeah, there's only about uh, 12 or 13 different options that look like could uh, could realistically take place. I'm probably underselling that to to be frank with you, Nate. But I, I think that what what's happening right now is there have been a lot of reports and rumors and you know confirmed talks of uh, the Pac-12 having six schools look at joining the Big 12 because initially what you had understandably so is you know usc and ucla say okay we're going to the big 10 the the logical question was then is anybody in the pac-12 going to follow and oregon and washington were thinking about it and every now and then you maybe hear a stanford get thrown around in there but there was never a, a mass exodus you know a, a tied to uh, the big 10 from the Pac-12 beyond USC and, and UCLA and what we know at this point in time or at least what we've been told is that the Big Ten is content right now unless they're going to get Notre Dame which is a bigger financial draw than anybody in uh the Pac-12 aside from USC and UCLA who bring the LA television market which is you know rather significant as we all know and a big factor behind this decision to uh, to begin with I think that they're, you know, based on what we know, they're content to sit and say, we're good with these two schools in addition to the ones that we've got. It's clearly the number two conference in uh, America, and it's starting to rival the SEC. I, I think once you get these uh, schools in there, certainly from a media market perspective, it is, but also from a, a program caliber, if you can get USC back to what Pac-12 fans were hoping the Trojans would become in the Conference of Champions. Uh, once again, of course, that's not going to be the case, but unless they can get Notre Dame, which is probably the biggest financial draw, it doesn't look like they're going to add anymore. So then it, it begs a question, right? Where are the remaining Pac-12 schools going to go? There was a report that there were uh, ongoing conversations between six Pac-12 schools and the Big 12. And that was Oregon, Washington, the Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado, a former member of the Big 12. And so that would leave Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State hung out to dry. And that's been a recurring theme. Those schools, those, those four programs... I mean, I say programs because we're talking about football primarily because that's what's driving the bus. But those four schools 
have really been left out of all significant talks here. So first it was, you know, what's going to happen with the Big Ten. Then it was, okay, maybe the Big Ten's not an option right now, though uh, some reports came out that Phil Knight wanted Oregon to be a part of the Big Ten or would prefer the Big Ten or SEC to the Big 12, which makes sense. There's more money involved there and they're bigger and better conferences, even with the Big 12 expansion that's looming. You have to remember they're losing Oklahoma and, and Texas. So then the Big 12 conversation came in, but then it came out a day later or a day or two later. It's all just blurring together. I mean, it's already been a week since uh, this news officially dropped. It feels like it's been a month. It really, really does. It's all moving so fast, and there's so many things that are changing. Now it's looking like the ACC is potentially going to come in and try and get some Pac-12 schools. So what happens next? We, we don't really know. There's not an indication as we're recording this. On, uh, on on Thursday morning, July 7th, there's not an indication that it's more likely to go one way or the other. If I had to guess, I would say Big 12 because it makes a little bit more sense. But everything just evolves so quickly and, and so randomly at times that I, I think it's hard to you know sit here and make any predictions about, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Like, I, I, I could do that and not really feel very good about it, frankly. <laughs> Well, uh, my thought's always been that if Notre Dame is or isn't going to come, that domino has to fall before anything else happens. Big Ten is going to be at that doorstep until Notre Dame says yes or no. And then maybe another school or two is able to come in. But I don't think anything gets done before Notre Dame does anything. And I think the Big Ten also has this whole media rights thing to worry about, too. That makes things complicated. So that has me at least... Leaning, but again, it's been changing back and forth and everything. There's a couple reasons there, though, for me to think that it could be done at least for now. I do want to talk on the national stage a little bit more about what like that conference's goal is that the Pac-12 becomes like, like those six schools that they go to the Big 12, or if there's a joining with the ACC, that's still not the Big Ten or the SEC, right? So what becomes the goal of whatever that combination of Pac-12 schools and whoever else it's going to be is, if that is what ends up happening. Well, the, the goal is to at least be comparable. And, and I don't think you would be at the Big Ten or SEC's level if you're talking about uh, the, the depth of high caliber programs that can win at an elite level, be you know in big New Year Six games or be in the college football playoff or you know just be consistently winning programs. You're not going to get to that level, but it's sort of the the quantity over quality approach. I've been talking about this over on uh, Locked on Pac-12, and I, I think it's the only option the Big 12 would have, right? To become kind of one of the power three is, you know, the, the option that they're presented with is, look, if we add a bunch of schools, then eventually – or at some point or in some way, you're going to have some schools that, that that will have good seasons, right? It's not like USC with Lincoln Riley, where you're looking at, you know, nine wins. Once he really gets it going there, nine wins is kind of the floor, right? Eight, nine wins is the floor. Whereas, you know, other schools you add like in the big 12, for instance, they're adding UCF, they're adding Cincinnati, they're adding Houston, they're adding BYU. Those are good programs. They're not on Oklahoma or Texas level from a brand perspective, but those are schools in and of themselves that, like Cincinnati, can go 13-0 and 0 and get to the playoff. Now that was in the American, can they do that in the Big 12? That is probably not quite as likely, but still, they can win at a high level. But I could also see BYU 
putting out a six and six season, or I could see Houston having a six and six year. Whereas with, you know, adding a team like uh, USC with Lincoln Riley or even Chip Kelly with UCLA, which is a little bit more of an unknown, the prospect of them, you know, going four and eight, five and seven in a year is, is not very high. And so for the big 12, you're, you're trying to compete. You're trying to stay relevant and, and your best and only real option is to add so many teams that you become kind of this mega conference. And you, if, if you added the schools that, that I alluded to those six, the Arizona schools, Utah, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, if Washington can get themselves back to where they're capable of being with Kalen DeBoer. And so far the early recruiting signs are good, but still a long way to go in that uh, in the evaluation of that coaching hire, of course, if they can get to where they're a top 25 caliber school and Oregon, you know, just stays at where they have been with Dan Lanning. And then you have Utah in there who very nearly beat Ohio state in the Rose bowl, Oregon, of course, beat Ohio state in the regular season, though the Buckeyes were, I think playing a better brand of football there towards uh, the end. But nevertheless, you add those schools, you now have something that at least resembles what the big 10 has or resembles what the sec has. It's not at that level because you don't have the top tier dominant programs like the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. You don't have that, but it would do enough if you added those six schools in addition to the four you have coming in. Of course, of course, losing Oklahoma and Texas, you'd be adding eight schools. You'd be kind of the first super conference because you would have more schools in your conference than uh, the Big Ten or the SEC, I believe, if my math is correct, but sometimes it's wrong, so feel free to correct me, everybody. But they, they would have more than anybody else, so that would be sort of an identifiable factor that you can market to sports fans all across the country. And then you you would also be able to have you know a caliber of, of teams and schools in there that's at least resembling what what exists in the other conferences, right? Because the Arizona schools are not doing a ton for you. Colorado is not going to do a ton for you. They've been down. They don't show any signs of coming back up. I think they could be really, really bad this year. But if you get Utah, Washington, and Oregon in there, those are three legitimate Rose Bowl caliber programs, right? College football playoff, I think, at, uh, at their peak. Utah has been very close. Oregon and Washington have both been. So I, I think that's the advantage for the Big 12 by by adding all of those schools as you look at it and go, okay, it's, you know, the first mega one. You could have so many options from a, a scheduling perspective. You could put them into pods. You could maybe, I've heard this get thrown out by, by Joel Klatt, and I think it's a great idea. You could have relegation within the conference, which I think would be really fun. I'm not a fan of, you know, emblemating too many things here in the United States that they do over in Europe, but I think that that is one that is is genuinely appealing. If you have 20 teams in a conference, why why couldn't you? Yeah, you could go, you know, maybe some pods of six or seven uh, schools or whatever the numbers would shake out to be if you had two or three, but if you had 20 or 22, put 10 and 11 up here, 10, 11 down here and say, here's the threshold, you know, and I don't know. I'm just saying there are a lot of options and possibilities there. And so I think that there is, is a real path there for the Big 12 to uh, confidently remain one of the power three. Then that begs the question, you know, what happens with the ACC? Because the ACC then, even with Clemson as its flagship program on the football field, is not matching up with a Big 12 that has Oregon and uh, and Utah and potentially Washington and Cincinnati who just got to the playoff and you still got Oklahoma State and Baylor and TCU's capable of being good. There's just a lot of programs in there that you know might have been down recently but are capable of being up at, at a very high level. So 
I, I think that that's a route that that is certainly viable. Uh, it's certainly captivating as well. And you know, with all this conference realignment, that's what you need. You you need interesting. You need people to to look at your conference and respect you. And I think if you add all of those schools. It would, you know, feel a little bit different, you know, like you're just kind of throwing something at the wall and and hoping, you know, hoping to see what sticks. But I think that if you if you add that many schools of that sort of caliber, then eventually something would stick to the wall. Today's episode is brought to you partly by Bet Online. Bet Online is the place to go for any of your sports gambling needs. It's the heat of summer, which means it's the heat of baseball season. And if you're a better, you know baseball. The games themselves, not always the best to put your money on, but we got strikeout props. We got no runs in the first innings bets to make. We got walk props, any sort of props in games that you want to make. It's one of the more fun sports to bet when you actually get into the intricacies of things more than just betting the game itself. So if you want to know a little bit more about all that kind of stuff, want to get more into baseball betting during the season when all the other sports are taking time off, you can head on over to betonline.net. They'll teach you everything you need to know, get you all the information you need to make Make sure you're making the smartest picks and then, of course, help you make those picks as well. You can head on over to Bet Online for all of it, where the game starts. I want to bring it back to the Big Ten. You mentioned a minute ago three kind of those, you put them as Rose Bowl caliber programs there. If the Big Ten is to go fishing back into the Pac-12, they're not taking three. They're going to be taking two. Who are the two? I'd imagine it's Oregon and somebody else. Oregon and Washington have been linked together pretty consistently throughout these conversations. And there's a reason for that. I don't think that you could look elsewhere because if you're thinking about adding two schools from the Pac-12, if you were the big 10, you wanted to go elsewhere. You could, I, I think you could justify doing Oregon and Utah from the point of view that the Utah football program is currently in a much better state than Washington who has to rebuild a little bit. They're capable of it. They're, they're certainly capable of being at a high level, but the work has to be done there. But if you're looking big picture as well, the Seattle media market is the biggest one remaining in the Pac-12, and Oregon is the biggest brand remaining in the Pac-12 right now. So that's why you would look at those schools, plus they're, they're right on top of each other. They have a rich uh, history in terms of a rivalry, and so maintaining that is something that I'm sure matters to a lot of college football fans out there, myself included. It, it's a very bitter and uh, spirited rivalry and one that would bring plenty of interest from uh, West Coast fans to to any conference that they that they would potentially move to. But, you know, uh, they make sense as a travel partner. They make sense from uh, a TV rating standpoint because the Seattle market is very big. Washington football, I'm in the state of Washington as we record this right now, Nate. I assure you, Washington football is very, very big. Um, and, and even though they're down, they're not going to, you know, lose faith and lose hope and just abandon it and, and stop showing up or stop watching. That's not the way that, uh, that that Husky fans tend to operate. And then Oregon is, you know, the, the biggest brand left. Right. I think USC was always kind of still the number one brand, even though it was very dormant and very down. Uh, and I think you, you could have made a case that Oregon was the top brand on the West Coast here for the last 10 years or so. But, you know, it, it was still USC, right? It was USC and UCLA that were able to make this move because they're in Los Angeles, and that's the huge market. So you take that out. The reason Oregon and Washington would make the most sense, you've got the biggest brand in Oregon, the biggest uh, TV market remaining in uh, the Seattle area. Maybe you could argue the Bay Area, but 
nobody's looking at Stanford and Cal right now. That, that's just not something that, that that's going to happen. And uh, look, there's a case to be made for Utah. Salt Lake City is not bad, but it's it, it's not Seattle uh, from a, a market power perspective. I don't think the conference would see it that way. And then the history with Oregon and Washington and their geographical proximity just, you know, w- would also make a lot of sense. So if the Big Ten were to add more Pac-12 schools and they were to go with two, Oregon and Washington, I think would be the the, the pretty logical choices there, uh, even though there's somewhat of a case for Utah. And, you know, that that's something that I think both schools would certainly be open to, because if the second best conference in America calls you and says, do you want to come and be a part of our expansion here? I am fairly certain both would say yes. Uh, can you uh, get a little more into it with me on why no one's looking at Stanford or Cal? Just because, I mean, from a Big Ten perspective, I, I think they're both AAU accredited schools as far as that side of the academics things go that the Big Ten still is, at least for right now, hanging on to. Uh, they're obviously not the programs with the money, like you said, that uh, matters most right now. But as far as like Big Ten schools, like schools that feel like Big Ten schools, Stanford and Cal kind of fit the bill with what they do in like the non-revenue sports as well. And just kind of, again, just like being a Big Ten guy, they feel like Big Ten schools more out there than even what the Big Ten's brought in already. Well, academically, they they certainly fit the bill. There's no questioning that. I mean, uh, UCLA and USC are both pretty high level academic institutions. UCLA a little more so, but USC brings more in the football field. But there, there are no two schools better academically in the conference of champions than Stanford and Cal. It is Stanford, and other people might disagree with me out there, but I, Stanford's number one. I don't think that's a hot take. I think you would have Cal second and then UCLA third. The question you have to ask yourself when, when framing a discussion like that is how much is that playing into anything here? I, I mean, is it just, you know, as long as you're an AAU school, and that's a, an academic rating, I, I believe, or a standard or a group of schools, something of, uh, of that I, I sort. Just know, I just know it's a list and the Big Ten hasn't accepted anyone still yet that isn't on it. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's clearly a, a factor. But I, I wonder and I, I would hypothesize, frankly, that, you know, it's a look at, you know, are they that? OK, yes. Now can we go to the football? Right. I, I it seems to me the football is driving the bus here because there's not an outrageous amount of conversation. I think rightfully so about, you know, how this is impacting basketball or non-revenue sports. And, yeah, Stanford and Cal are, are often good at uh, some of those secondary non-revenue sports. But as we're describing them, <laughs> they're non-revenue. So <laughs> I, I think football is going to be the primary factor here. And, you know, Stanford at its peak, also a Rose Bowl caliber program. Cal has not been at that level basically my entire life. Uh, I mean, they, they've, you know, had spurts of being good. They're capable of being better than what they've shown in, uh, in the last several years. And we'll see if Justin Wilcox can turn the, turn the golden bears program around in, in that sense. But Stanford at their peak is much better than, uh, than Cal specifically in the last 15 years or so. And again, a college football playoff ceiling and, uh, Rose Bowl caliber school when, when when they have things rolling. We've seen that with a variety of teams. You know, Andrew Luck won a Fiesta Bowl and Christian McCaffrey won a Rose Bowl and uh, David Shaw won another Rose Bowl, got to another. I mean, you know, they, they can win conference championships in, uh, in the Pac-12 and they win in a variety of other sports a, as well. But the thing with uh, Stanford and Cal is they don't feel very big recently with football. 
And I, I say that with, uh, you know, in having in mind that people don't go to their games. I, I mean, very, very recently on, on my show, Locked on Pac-12, I had on a friend of mine who's a Stanford graduate and is also very smart and energetic. So you should go check it out on YouTube or wherever you listen to uh, your podcasts as well. Shameless plug for the show, but he's really fantastic. And he, you know, was talking about, I mean, he went to Stanford and he was pointing out like, yeah, people don't go to games. And I mean, I went to school in the Bay Area, actually, and I used to go to games at uh, at Stanford. I'd go to Oregon games up there. And, you know, it was not a packed house. It never, I mean, even when they're good, you know, at their peak, they're, they're not bringing in the sort of energy hype and, you know, it feels like dedication to their football program that you would want if, you know, you're the Big Ten and you have the choice. I mean, that that's why I think they haven't looked at Stanford and Cal is because if you're the Big Ten, you don't have to. I mean, you got USC and UCLA. You've already got Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State's on the rise and Penn State is uh, seemingly poised for a revival. I mean, there are a lot of Wisconsin is literally never bad. They're never bad. Um, as someone from the West Coast, I respect the hell out of Wisconsin because that is always a good football program. There are no there are no two and ten seasons in Wisconsin, no matter who the, who, who the coach is. Like, it's just not a thing that exists, at least that I've seen. But uh, anyway, I, I digress there a little. Uh, Stanford and Cal are just not schools that feel like they belong from a football point of view. Stanford can, but they don't right now. You know, they've had two losing seasons in the last three tries and the attendance numbers have not been great. And it, it's not as big of a deal in that area as it is to a lot of schools in the Big Ten. So I think that's why you haven't seen Stanford and Cal, you know, get the the sort of attention that Oregon and Washington are getting for schools that have not yet joined uh, a new conference and decided to leave the Pac-12 or even a Utah because, you know, you, you want to add schools that you feel are going to bring something to your conference. And, you know, either, I don't think the media market in the Bay Area Sure, it's sizable, but the fan base support is not as ingrained as it is in, say, Los Angeles, right? In L.A., you have two schools with USC and UCLA that are working to rebuild, but the fans have cared the whole time. UCLA is not as big, but USC fans, they've cared the whole time, and there's just so many people there. And the Bay Area has a bunch of people, but it's just not as big of a priority, and I think that's why if the big 10 were going to expand, I don't think they would go after Stanford and Cal, even though academically, yeah, they fit in with Northwestern and uh, Michigan and, and those sorts of schools that are, are academic powers and presidents, you know, I'm sure are considering that, but from a football point of view, I, I don't think right now either school is, is bringing a lot to your conference other than a chance to play a road game in 72 degree weather all year round. Today's episode is also brought to you in part by LinkedIn. I don't have to tell you much about LinkedIn. You already know about the biggest professional network online in the entire world. But while just about everyone's on LinkedIn, not everyone is using LinkedIn jobs, which doesn't really make sense. If you want to get to the most people, have the best opportunities to find the job for you, or if you're an employer looking for the best candidates, you want to be selecting from the biggest pool of people. And LinkedIn has it. We're talking about more than 810 million people on the site. It's second to none. 
as far as getting your job out there to the people who are qualified to take it and want to see it. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job postings go up on LinkedIn Jobs? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I think it's partially with what you said because the Big Ten doesn't have to. But also, I think it's because the Big Ten has taken the risk before and it hasn't really worked out. When you look at back at adding Rutgers and Maryland into this conference, a lot of the idea was that. A lot of the idea was the Big Ten would be able to just because it's the Big Ten, lift those programs up and get recruiting up. And we've seen that we've they've been recruiting better than they were outside of the Big Ten. But they you said it, they haven't done anything. And it's I think now, especially when you look at it on the football field, it's been a pretty consistent downslope and I mean, failure of an an adding of two teams so far, those teams can become good. They can build programs, but as it stands right now, they're never going to be what a USC and a UCLA are or what a Notre Dame, if the big 10 can add it is, or what an Oregon, if the big 10 wants to add it would be to this conference. So the risk has been made before and it just has not worked out at least quite yet the way the big 10 wanted it to. So now it's, marking names are bust. I agree, at least uh, for right now. It's a good point, I think, to touch on the fact that there's no reason for the Big Ten to take any risk here. Yeah, and I, I think that when, you, when you've when you been kind of burned in the past like that, the way that, that the Big Ten sort of has with Rutgers and Maryland, I mean, have they brought anything? Maryland can be just above on the basketball 500. court on the basketball court they can uh, they've shown maryland's been good a couple of years Rutgers too but again we've mentioned this isn't a basketball yeah. conversation as much as big 10 fans like basketball too yeah and, and i mean you know everybody loves or a lot of people love college basketball i love college basketball more than most i watched a ton of i watched a ton of regular season college basketball because it's fantastic and i like to have at least half of an idea who i'm going to pick in my march madness bracket just to watch it fall apart though this year i wasn't totally terrible but that's besides the point. Football is still driving the bus. I mean, even for a school that, you know, might have basketball as its best program, it still doesn't make as much money as football because you don't get as many people at games. You don't have as big a donations. And uh, the, t- the TV money is the big thing, right? The TV money is where football really separates itself from a revenue perspective, because even if you you know, are not uh, a great football program, you can still get onto some big time games that bring in several million dollars over, over the course of, uh, uh, over the course of a season, you know, and for, for schools like Rutgers and Maryland, yeah, they might not win a whole lot of games. So their attendance isn't going to be great. And they might lose, you know, hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of dollars there by, by not being super competitive, but you play a couple games on on Fox against, you know, Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State, and those fan bases are going to be watching their teams because they're really good, and that's going to be a significant draw, and that's going to bring in a couple million dollars for, for your school. So, you know, football, uh, we, we talk about it first, second, and third. I always joke for a reason. Like when, when people ask me, like, oh, what do you t- – what do you uh, – 
like to talk about on your shows. I'm like, well, football is topic number one, number two, number three, basketball is four, football is five. Like that, that's just the way that, that we prioritize things in American society because it's ours. I mean, nobody else like, yeah, there's Canadian football, but guess what? Not as big as American football. Canadian football feels close to the USFL, which just started. And, you know, I, I didn't really watch a ton of it, but from what I can see, it had a pretty successful first year. Like we love football the most. And so that that's what's uh, driving the bus here. Sometimes that comes at the expense of other sports, you know, the traveling a handful of times a year, a uh, small half, you know, three or four to go, you know, when we talk about the travel distances that the LA schools will have to, will have to endure it, right? Like say USC goes to Ohio state, like, yeah, that that's a long trip. And then they'll have to make another one out to maybe like Michigan and maybe another one to Indiana or something like that. Yeah, it's a little bit of, of a longer trip, but you're only going to do that, you know, really three, four, maybe five times a year. Whereas in the other sport, it, it's the other sports that are really going to get hit hard with the travel schedule because you play more games. So you have to go, you know, if you're USC soccer and you're going to go play Rutgers in soccer, you're going to play a match against Rutgers on like Friday and then on Sunday or whatever the conference scheduling is in the games that that I've done, it's a Friday, Sunday slate and the D1 soccer coaches I've talked to tend to hate that. But anyway, so like if they go to Rutgers and then they have to go to Ohio and then they have to come back, but then, you know, a couple of weeks later, then they have to do it again. Then they have to go to Michigan state. Then they have to go back down to Indiana and then come all the way back. Like, it's just, those are the, those are the sports that are going to be hit harder. I think from a logistical and a travel standpoint, uh, more so than football. I'm not saying it won't play a factor on, on the gridiron, but it's definitely not as uh, influential, I think, as, you know, you you would uh, you would think it'll be for some of those other sports that just have more games, right? I mean, think about baseball. Like you go play a a three four game series, you're that much further away from home for for a longer time. Whereas football, it's like you're in, you're there for a night, you play your game, you fly back later that night. I think it'll be manageable, but certainly somewhat of a, of an adjustment. And certainly not the, the it's at the back of everyone's minds right now. The, the all that kind of yeah. stuff, they'll figure it out. Oh, the money will be there. It'll be done. And again, there will be probably, I mean, I'd have to imagine I'm thinking like baseball and softball schedules and things like that every single weekend, having to go somewhere else and stuff like that. I mean, on basketball teams, if they're doing road stretches for a couple of weeks, might not be able to be on campus for more than a day or so, but it's, it's what it is now. And kind of, it's what college sports has become. You're going to start seeing people getting, kind of paid like professional athletes so they're also going to have to expand like it to an extent which is a conversation for another day as is whatever we'll have to talk about next time Spencer because I feel like we're still just touching on the top of everything that's going on in here and we're already I think over close to over half an hour of doing it so we got to wrap up it's been great having you on here we're going to have to have you on again here soon and I'm sure something will happen to, to make that happen before uh, we talk happens. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, happy, happy to come on, Nate. Thanks for having me. Listening to Locked On Pac-12, just like you listen to Locked On Big Ten, at least three times a week here during the offseason and every day once we get back into school. Thanks, Spence. We'll talk soon. See you.